WNYC Studios is supported by Earth Justice. As a national legal nonprofit, Earth Justice has more than 200 full time lawyers who fight for a healthy environment. They're challenging utilities to lower your power bill and fight climate change by helping communities achieve clean, affordable energy for all. From stopping new gas plants to helping advance the growth of rooftop solar, Earth Justice is accelerating the clean energy transition so we can all breathe easy. Visit earthjustice.org slash power to learn more. That's earthjustice.org slash power. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latif from Radiolab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. I didn't grow up near a coastline. So I was an adult before I began to even think about the ocean. And maybe that's why I've got such a funny relationship to it. Or maybe this is common, I don't know. But I am so deeply drawn to the water and its enormity, the mysteries that lurk underneath it, while also terrified of those mysteries. And not just the sharks and jellyfish and undercurrents and all that, those physical dangers do shake me, trust. But I'm talking about something spookier. There's so much history in that water, so much lost memory. A new podcast and reporting project from National Geographic invites us to rediscover some of those memories. It's called Into the Depths, and it's hosted by National Geographic storyteller and explorer Tara Roberts. She follows a group of black scuba divers and ocean archaeologists who are hunting for the wreckage of slave ships. But she ends up on quite an emotional journey of her own as a black woman trying to connect with her ancestry. Tara, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So this project was actually two years in the making, and it all started at the National Museum of African American History in D.C. when you saw an image on the wall of these black scuba divers, mostly women, I believe. Tell us about that image and why it struck you so much. It's a little crazy, Kai, um, because it's a great picture, but some kind of way that picture, like it went up, a level in my imagination. And I actually thought I saw something that wasn't there. Like in my imagination, when I saw that picture, it was like the women were standing up on the boat. They had capes on, their hair was flowing in the wind. Wow. <laughs> For whatever reasons, those capes. women, capes, it was literally like the capes were blowing <laughs> in the wind and they were standing up there um, looking like superheroes. Mm. Um, that's how I remembered the photo. And then a couple of years later, I was like, oh, let me go look at that picture again. And I was like, it looks nothing (laughs) like what it did in my imagination. And it's still a great picture, but there was something about seeing these Black women um, participating in an activity that I'd never really seen a group of Black women do before. And then when I read the placard about who they are and what they were doing, I discovered that they were a part of this group called Diving with a Purpose and that part of their mission was to search for and help document slave shipwrecks around the world. And so that just blew me away. Mm. I think there was something about the story that felt 
really important to me. Um, I thought the work itself was revolutionary, like black divers searching for slave shipwrecks. Like what? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And you talk in the podcast, you know, about the power of stories, your belief in the power of stories. Can you talk a little bit about that? What you think is important about stories in the first place? I think stories are the way we make sense of the world. Um, I think they help us understand ourselves, understand each other better. There's this beautiful quote that Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, the Nigerian writer says, and I'm I'm going to butcher it, but let me summarize what she said. She said that, in essence, stories were the greatest vehicle for empathy. Because through a story, you could really understand um, a person. You could understand an event in a way that maybe you couldn't before. There's, There's a lot of truth in that. And this story in particular feels really important. Um, And it feels really important to be told by different voices because it hasn't been told before. Like Mm -hmm. there's a whole bit about the global slave trade, um, about these wrecks that just, it doesn't exist in our history books. We're not taught it. So to have these people who are out there trying to bring this history, these lost stories back into human memory just feels so powerful to me. And, I mean, these Black people out there trying to bring this Black story back into our memories um, is it seems really powerful in, in that specific way. Yeah, definitely. One of the statistics that I learned early on that I always talk about, because it really illustrates the power and the necessity of Black people telling this story. So uh, 1.8 million Africans died in the Middle Passage. 1.8 million Africans died in the Middle Passage. There's no one grieving those people, mourning those people. There are no memorials to that, that magnitude of loss of life. But then you have these Black scuba divers who are going down, who are finding stories, who are bringing that memory back up to the surface. And that just feels so profound to me. Um, There's a a thing that a historian from the National Museum of African-American History and Culture, uh, Mary Elliott, said in one of the interviews that we did with her. um, And I just, I love it. And essentially she says what she wants the ancestors to know, which he wants those lost souls to know, is that we didn't forget about you. We actually came Mm -hmm. looking for you. Mm -hmm. When she says that, Mm -hmm. it like, like that is power. Mm -hmm. Do you know that is, that is a healing circle that's in effect there. And that's only something that we can do. Well, with that in mind, I, I, you know, I know you say in the podcast that you are not into church, you don't do church, but the blessing from your mother's pastor and his advice to connect with the spiritual as you do this work moved me. Uh, Let's take a listen to that. As you are doing this work, you're doing it in the outer. That's your research, you're gathering information. That's great. Take it to the next level. 
do that spiritual work. Meaning, get in tune. If you can get in tune with um, the essence, the spirit of those ans- of our ancestors who were lost during that middle passage, invite them. Invite their blessing on the work. You can do so by your prayer meditation. You come across names. Speak their names. Speak the names. Speak the names, and then ask them to bless you. So, just take us a bit to that moment with the bishop. What did it bring up for you, and how did it shape the journey you then embarked on? It changed everything. Like it added a layer that quite honestly, I had not been thinking about. Um, when I started this journey, I was really thinking about these divers, like the stories of just black folks in the ocean <laughs> that felt um, like it upended the ideas that exist about who black people could be in the world. And that felt enormous. So that was my entree into this work. But it wasn't until Bishop Jack, his name is Bishop Jack Bomar from Hillside International Chapel and Troop Center in Atlanta, Georgia. (laughs) Name it. (laughs) Hello. He said, speak their names. So we are speaking his names. Um, He came to my mom's house to bring her an Easter basket. And I was there. And he said, you were called to do this work. So what it did for me was like it really brought home the possibility of healing and for that healing to be a healing that travels in the past and exists in the present. So it's like a healing that moves throughout time. And that when that happened, we had started working on the podcast and we were trying to figure out how do we tell this story? But Bishop Jack saying, you have to speak their names just clicked so much for us because we were like, yes, these are not faceless statistics in a cargo hole, which is how most of that moment of time is thought of. It's like all the horror and the violence. And that image that we all see, well, at least Black people see growing up, the the drawing of bodies packed into the bottom of a slave ship. That's, That's what we think of. Right, right. You don't see individuals inside of that. So we decided to thread these names throughout the podcast. Um, And we also brought in our resident poet, this amazing National Geographic explorer, Aaliyah Pierce, who's a spoken word artist, to help us imagine their journeys. Can you hear it? Are you really listening? And not just their journeys in death, but like their journeys as souls, as spirits, as something more than again, just these bodies in a hold. This hollow theater made of iron and wood brought together an orchestra of people across the continent. Instruments of human body and voice and ship crescendo into a song of strategy. Sounds of revolt amplifying through the very fibers of the floor. And as you're doing this diving, as they're doing this diving and searching, I mean, what what does it actually look like? What does the work actually look like? Because I imagine, you know, I grew up watching Goonies. Wow, you guys realize what we could do? And like, you know, you find this whole intact ship and there's a pirate skeleton and gold and all the rest. You guys, just what if this map could lead to one-eyed Willie's rich stuff? Maybe. Then we wouldn't have to leave the Goonies. But that's not it. That's not the vision. Like, what, what, is, what, is the, what is the actual work look like? Okay, I totally have to laugh. I was so expecting you to say the Titanic, but you went to the Goonies. (laughs) No, I'm older than the Titanic, friend. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> the Goonies is much stronger image. I, I feel you on that. Um, no. So these wrecks are usually not intact like that. Most of them were built in the 1600s and 1700s. So they were built primarily out of wood. And that means that when they wrecked, they splintered, they wrecked in pieces. And so pieces are on the ocean floor. And over the centuries, coral retakes those pieces. Marine life overtakes them. The sandy seafloor might cover them. So it's really hard to see. Like it takes a trained eye to know sort of what kind of things to look for. And like, what are those kind of things? What are they looking for? Well, first, the search starts in the archives. And it's the archives that give you a sense of where wrecks happened. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these ships were actually insured. And so when they wrecked, the financial backers and the ship's captains would file insurance claims. And so the insurance companies would come in and investigate, and that left a paper trail. Sometimes there are even court testimonies, there might be crew logs, just a whole lot of paperwork. Uh, So historians and archaeologists go through the archives. They locate the area where the wrecking events might have happened. And there are things um, like particular artifacts that are particular to a slave ship. For instance, you find a huge pile of bricks or ballast stones. That could be indication of a slave ship because they would use that weight to counterbalance um, the weight of human beings that were in the cargo hold. We learn a lot about you in the course of this podcast, um, and you have a lot of emotional moments um, and, uh, and and go on a real journey here. And I want to play one piece of this journey um, that, that really struck me. This is a conversation you had uh, while you were in West Africa. Let's listen to this, and then I'm going to ask you to provide a little context. Breaks my heart that Black people in America have to go through so much, so much in a place where for hundreds of years they have considered as home. Even though I don't understand what you go through, well, a huge part of me knows that you are also part of me. And if I could, I would help, but just know that you're you're in my mind in a way and and I know your struggle and I'm really sorry that you have to go through that and it's it's really unfair that you have to go through that. What happened for you in this moment and in more broadly how did this this work change you? Mm. It's still actually hard to listen to that without um, feeling a little emotional. Before this, because of all the things that were happening in the United States around race and identity, like I had this question throughout all of this work, like, where is home for me? Hmm. Um, Where is home for us as Black people? 
can these slave ships help us feel a sense of belonging, a sense of home? So that was one of the underlying questions that I had um, as I embarked on this journey. And then I went back to Africa, like, hi, I'm here. <laughs> and I, I'm not like a naive traveler. I've, mm-hmm. I've lived in Zimbabwe before I've traveled throughout the continent, but this was the first time that I went back with like, I'm searching for my roots, mm-hmm. slave shipwrecks, ancestry. Hi, I'm mm-hmm. here. And I did not get the reception that I expected to get. Right. So right before that clip, Anna is breaking down some other realities that I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, okay, dude, it's not <laughs> this one big happy black family. That's not yeah. kind of how we look at you guys. And I was pretty devastated to hear that. And I had to go talk to some friends to, or a friend to begin to put that into context. And I realized just how much I don't know about Africa, how much I have not thought about it outside of the sort of Western colonial way that we approach the continent. So there was a lot of learning for me. Um, And then Anna says this thing where I was like, she does feel connected. And I just did not know how much I really needed Mm -hmm. to hear that. And what's amazing to me is um, a number of other Black Americans who have listened to the podcast have sent me notes that that moment trips them up a little bit too. And it tells me that there is a healing that is out there for us. Uh, So it's still in process. Uh, (laughs) I'm still like (laughs) digesting, interpreting processing that, but it does feel like something has moved. Um, There's more possibility in thinking of who we are and who we might be outside of these narratives that we've been given as Black folks. Tara Roberts is a National Geographic storyteller and explorer and host of the podcast, Into the Depths. You can check it out on nationalgeographic.com or wherever you get your podcast. Tara, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is the United States of Anxiety. Check out previous episodes by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts or find our whole entire five-year archive of reporting and conversations at wnyc.org slash anxiety. I'm Kai Wright. You can find me on Twitter at Kai underscore Wright. And you can find me here next Sunday evening. Thanks for spending time with us tonight. And I will talk to you next week. WNYC Studios is supported by Earth Justice. As a national legal nonprofit, Earth Justice has more than 200 full-time lawyers who fight for a healthy environment. They're challenging utilities to lower your power bill and fight climate change by helping communities achieve clean, affordable energy for all. From stopping new gas plants to helping advance the growth of rooftop solar, 
Earth Justice is accelerating the clean energy transition so we can all breathe easy. Visit earthjustice.org power to learn more. That's earthjustice.org power.